Great joy to be in the house of God this morning. I'm glad you're here. And I thank the Lord for it. I mean that. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that some that have been sick and not been able to be with us are back. We thank the Lord for that. Of course, we miss those who are not able to be with us this morning, but I'm glad for each one of you that the Lord's made able to be able to be in the house of God this morning. Appreciate what the Lord's been doing. Appreciate it's already been said what the Lord did on Thursday night and working in my heart. Thank the Lord for it. And I'm glad the Lord continues to work on us as His people. And uh, if He doesn't, there's something wrong much deeper on the inside. If the Lord never works on you at all as a child of God, He's going to work on us. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for the desire in my heart to be in the house of God this morning. Thank the Lord for all that He's done. And uh, just glad to be here. Glad to see each one of you. And a highlight of my week is to come to the house of God and to be with the people of God and to be with you. And I'm glad the Lord has placed us together in this place for this time and for this hour. I thank the Lord for it. And looking forward to what the Lord has in store for us this morning. And uh, just glad to be here and glad to be in the house of God. Genesis chapter 45 If you have a copy of the Word of God this morning want to turn along with us, we'll be in the book of Genesis chapter number 45. Desire your prayers this morning that the Lord would help us. I need His touch and need His help. And I've had this on my heart for several days and uh, I want to preach this morning. I don't know if you understand that or not. But, uh, and it's not that I don't want to at other times, but I want to preach this morning. And I want Him to touch me and help me, and I want to give it to you the way He so graciously put it in my heart these days. Genesis chapter 45, let's stand together out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read the entire chapter, 28 verses, then try to give you what's on my heart this morning for this service. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. There stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. He said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall be neither be earing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, and go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. 
Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. There will I nourish thee, for there are yet uh, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. Ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen. Ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren, and wept upon them, and after that his brethren talked with him. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye. Laid your beasts, and go get you unto the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households, and come unto me. And I will give you the good of the land of Egypt. Ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, This do ye. Take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives. Bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. The children of Israel did so. Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment. But to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner ten asses laden with the good things of Egypt, ten she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away and they departed. And he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. They went up out of Egypt came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. They told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. When he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I read this entire chapter, and you're hearing this morning of Joseph when he reveals himself to his brethren. We all know, I think, at least in part, what has brought us to this place. Joseph has been hated of his brothers. In all the Word of God, at least in the Old Testament, Joseph would be the most perfect type that there is of Christ in the Old Testament, at least probably in all the Word of God. He was hated by his brothers. He was conspired against of his brothers. His brothers wanted to put him to death. One of them spoke up and said, let's not put him to death, but let's dig a pit and put him in it and tell our father that he's dead. And so they took that coat of many colors, 
because Joseph was preferred above his brothers. And they killed a goat and dipped Joseph's coat in it and took it back to Jacob and told him that a wild animal had caught Joseph and killed him and he was dead. And in the meanwhile, they sailed Joseph into the hands of Midianites as they passed by and Joseph is carried down into the land of Egypt. While Joseph is there, he comes to power somewhat in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife conspires against him and tries to get him to lay with her and he will not and he runs out of his coat and then she lies on him and Potiphar casts him into prison. Of course, we know that Joseph had this great ability to dream and not only was he a dreamer, but he had the gift of God to interpret the dreams of others. While he's there, he's in prison with the baker and the butler. One of them dreams and then the other dreams and Joseph interprets both dreams. He says that one will be restored to power and the other, his head will be lifted from him. And it comes to pass, as he said, and he tells the one that's going to be restored, when you are restored, remember me while I am here in prison. The Bible said that he is restored as Joseph says, but he forgets Joseph. Then Pharaoh dreams a dream. Of course, we know the dream. It's probably the most well-known in all the Old Testament that Pharaoh sees seven stalks of corn with seven good ears and seven lean and the seven good devour the seven lean and seven fat cows and seven lean cows and the seven lean devour the seven fat. And he doesn't understand the meaning of the dream. And the one that was restored remembers his sin, his forgetfulness. He said, there's a Hebrew down yonder in the prison and I dreamed and the other dream that he interpreted it came to pass and so Pharaoh sends for Joseph Joseph gives the interpretation of the dream there'll be seven years of plenty that has never been seen before in the land of Egypt followed by seven years of famine such as never been seen he said you better lay up in store in the seven years of plenty that you perish not in the seven years of famine and so the saying pleased Pharaoh and he made Joseph governor over all the land of Egypt. He put him over all the storehouses. And he said, when you have need of anything, you come to Joseph, and he'll take care of you. Now, back yonder in the land of Canaan, I don't know, I just need the Lord to help me this morning. I've got so much on my heart, I don't know how I'll get it out except by His help. Matter of fact, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, sometime in the middle of the night, I woke up and I was preaching. It woke me up. I don't know what all I was saying, but I know it was about Joseph. And ever since then, it's been on my heart. And the Lord has let me see some things. And I'm not boasting or bragging. I'm bragging on Him and boasting in Him this morning. But meanwhile, down yonder in the land of Canaan, Joseph's father Jacob and all his brothers are there. And the famine's over all the world's what the Bible said. And they're out of corn. And they're going to die if they don't get something to eat. And the Bible said that Jacob hears that there's corn in Egypt. And that there's somebody down there that where they could go and come from any part of the world and buy corn to survive the famine. And so Jacob sends his sons, all except for Benjamin, who would be the youngest at the time born after Joseph is gone. He said, take all of you, but leave Benjamin behind. And he said, go to Egypt and buy corn. Joseph's brothers come, and they meet Joseph, but they know not 
that it is Joseph. Joseph knows them, but they do not know Joseph. And the goodness of Joseph, he doesn't seek repercussion. He doesn't seek to get even. He has the power and the means to do so. And by all right, he should have, but he does not seek it. He does not seek vengeance against them, but he loves them. And they don't know him, but he knows them. And I think, and I never had seen it quite like this before, but I think the brothers of Joseph are a great type. In chapter 45, I think there are two things, two types that are represented here. I think it's a type of being born again and a type of being taken care of or the Christian experience that God desires for every child of God after that we're born again. For you see, they come to Joseph. He doesn't know them. Uh, uh, he knows them and they don't know him. He takes care of them. They pay the money. They think they've earned it. They think they have paid for it. But he puts the money back in the mouth of the sack because they can't buy his favor. They can't buy his goodness. Uh, but his goodness is going to lead them to the place that they're going to come to in chapter 45. And is that not what the scriptures say? That it is the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. And Joseph is going to do all that he does to bring them to the place in chapter 45. They're going to think that he's dealing harshly with them. They're going to think that he's unreasonable. They're going to think that he's out to get them. But that's not his motive. He loves them and cares for them. And his desires to know them and them to know him in the way he wants to. And so we know the story. They buy the corn and they go on their way and while they're going one of them spies his money in the mouth of the sack and he's troubled and he said they're going to believe that they're going to think we're robbers we're thieves they already think we're spies they already have got Reuben back yonder in prison and we're going back to tell our father that Joseph even though they don't know it's Joseph this ruler this governor said that the only way we could get anything else to live was to bring Benjamin and show him that we have a younger brother. And they go back. And Jacob's in such shape, they pour out the corn. And it wasn't just one of them that had the money in the sack. All of them had the money back in the mouth of their sack. And Jacob's in such a shape, he says, I'm not letting Benjamin go. He said, I'll leave Reuben down there in prison. Now that's not what it says exactly in the wording, but that's what happens because he is not agreeable to send Benjamin back until they run out of corn. So they ate all their sacks of corn before Jacob ever come to the place that he would send Benjamin back because he was afraid that what had happened to Joseph would also happen to Benjamin. And if anything happened to Benjamin, Jacob said, I can't live. I can't endure it. I can't take it. If my youngest is taken from me, I cannot survive. And he said, I'll go down to my grave if anything happens to Benjamin. But the time comes that they have to. They have no choice if they're going to be saved, if they're going to be spared from the famine. They're going to have to do what Joseph says they have to do. And I'm going to tell you this morning, if you're lost without God, the only way you're going to survive the famine, the only way you're going to get out of the shape you're in is to do what Joseph says you have to do. And so they get Benjamin and they go back to the land of Egypt. And uh, they talk together. Joseph still's not made himself known. They uh, Get more corn, Reuben set free. Joseph tells them to put his silver cup 
in the mouth of Benjamin's sack and let them go apace. And he said, after they've gone a ways, he said, I want you to go after them and ask them what they're doing, stealing from the head of Egypt. And whoever has the silver cup in his sack is to come back to me and be my prisoner. And so they open the sack and it's Benjamin's cup or Benjamin's sack that has the cup. And all of them are distraught. They don't leave Benjamin to go back to Jacob. They all go back to Egypt. And the eldest says, take me. And Joseph said, no. And the command was that the youngest, uh, the one that was that, that had the cup, uh, be it the youngest, the eldest, or the middle, whoever sack had the cup, was to be prisoner for thieving. And they began to be troubled. And they began to... Now Joseph is doing all of this to bring them to chapter 45. I got to thinking about all them nights that I spent under conviction and so miserable and thought I was going to die and go to hell at any minute. But I can say this morning, thank God that He is doing all of that to bring me to that blessed Tuesday night when grace, that grace that taught my heart to fear, it was that grace that my fears relieved. And they're all troubled and they say we can't go home and leave Benjamin behind. If we do, our father will die. And they even go to Joseph and they say, listen, if we don't go back without with Benjamin, they said our father's old and he can't take it anymore. And if we don't go back with Benjamin, our father's going to die. And verse 45, or chapter 45, verse number 1 is where that story leaves off. And now we pick up. And Joseph can't hold it any longer. He said, everybody go out. All my servants, out. They're in his house, by the way. They're not in Pharaoh's palace. They're not in the treasury of Egypt. They're not in the storehouse. But Joseph said, you bring them to my house. We're going to do the dealings at my house. And Joseph said he couldn't refrain himself any longer. He said, go out. All my servants out. Well, the only ones I want in here are me and them. We got some business that we got to tend to. And I don't know what that Reuben and all of them thought was fixing to happen. But I guarantee they didn't think what did happen was going to happen. After all the Egyptians go out, after all the servants are out, and the door's shut, and Joseph breaks down, and he begins to weep, and he said, I'm Joseph. And they don't know what to say. They just stand there. He said, are you listening to me? I am Joseph, your brother, which you sold into slavery. Now up to this point, they don't know who he is. But he's going to reveal himself to them. And that's what happens in salvation. Oh, they knew that sometime in the past, it's been really stirring on my heart and got heavier and heavier as I sat there this morning. And I thought I enjoyed the Sunday school hour. But if I'm being honest with you this morning, I thought I'm ready for it to be done. I need to preach. And I thought about this morning, that's where a lot of people are. They have a consciousness of the fact that Jesus is alive. Uh, we're in the Christmas season uh, and they'll never get past uh, a manger. They still got him laying somewhere in the manger. All of Joseph's brethren uh, knew who Joseph was. Uh, they had an understanding of who he was uh, but they didn't realize who he really was until he revealed himself unto them. And we grow up and 
we teach our children and we should about who Jesus is and we tell them about how he came in Bethlehem Judea around this time of year we'll read the Christmas story and that he was born of a virgin in a manger thank God he was and all the prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled in him how that he lived a sinless life and he died a perfect death for our sins at Calvary and that he didn't stay dead but he got up and he arose to heaven and that he's coming back again and there's a general knowledge of who he is but I'm telling you until he reveals himself unto you you'll never really know who he is ain't that what Christ said to Peter Peter said thou art the Christ the son of the living God Christ said blessed art thou Simon Bar-Jonah for flesh and blood ain't revealed this unto thee but my father which is in heaven Peter had got a revelation of who God was who Christ was and that's what's fixing to happen to Joseph's brothers. He's going to have a revelation of who he was. And when he revealed himself to them, the first thing they think is, boy, we're in for it now. Boy, we're in trouble. And I'm going to tell you, as a 16-year-old boy, on a Sunday night at Indian Creek Baptist Church, when the hot God of heaven revealed himself unto me, I knew I was in trouble. I knew I deserved it. That's what every one of them brothers got to talking to each other. They said we deserve it. Whatever he does to us, we deserve it. We put him in the pit. We sold him into slavery. We lied about who he was. We lied about where he was. We dealt harshly with him. And he's going to deal harshly with us. And we all deserve it. I'm going to tell you this morning, we all deserve it. I deserve, and it's already been said this morning in the Sunday school. I thank God for the scripture. Behold, what manner of love of the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. I deserve to be in hell this morning, and so do you. I deserve for my heavenly Joseph to seek vengeance on me because of what I did to him. You say I wasn't there that day. Don't make no difference. Your sin was there. It was your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin. I suffered the hell of your sin. Endure the wrath of God for your sin. And by justice, we all deserve hell this morning. But I'm glad he's not dealt with us according to our iniquity. Thank God this morning. He didn't reveal himself to us to seek vengeance on us. I'm going to restore a fellowship and a relationship that have been broken by sin. He said, I'm Joseph, your brother. Who you sold into slavery? He told them exactly what they had done and exactly who they were. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know how it worked with you, but if you got what I got, it worked the same with you as it did with me. He revealed to you who you were and what you had done and what you deserved because of that. Now I'm glad, thank God, he didn't stop there. I'm glad Joseph didn't stop there. He said, I'm Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery. He said, but come near. I want to talk to you. I want to tell you something. He said, it's not. He said, it ain't about you. He said, it wasn't you that put me here. He said, it was God that sent me before you. Thank God. Here in His love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. It wasn't us. I understand. By reason.
reason, my guiltiness. It was our sin. It was our shame. It was our punishment. But it wasn't our sin that put him at Calvary. It was the plan of God and the love of Christ that put him there. And it was love that kept him there. And it was love that he paid the price. And it's love that got him up. And it's love that he forgives us. It wasn't us, it was him all the time. In other words, Joseph said, I want you to forget about yourself because what I'm fixing to tell you ain't got nothing to do with you. He said, it's all been the plan of God from the beginning. When you put me in the pit, it was the plan of God. When you sold me into slavery, it was the plan of God. How to be lied on in Potiphar's house was the plan of God. How to be in prison with the baker and the butler was the plan of God. And now to be brought to power and to sit over the storehouse of Egypt and to preserve life for you has always been the plan of God. And so I believe in that scripture. There's a real type of salvation in the story. That Joseph reveals himself to them and he restores the relationship that had been broken before by what they had done. Joseph hadn't done anything. They had broken the relationship. They had marred the fellowship. But Joseph was the only one that could restore it. And that's how it is for us. But I want to say this morning... I really want to say, thank God the story don't stop there. But he said, you got my father back down yonder in Egypt or in Canaan. And he said, you got wives and children. And he said, I want you to go. And he said, I want you to tell them about me. And he said, I want you to come back to me. And he said, I want you to dwell with me. I want you to be near to me. When you have trouble, I want to know about it. When you need something to eat, I want to know about it. When you're feeling alone, I want to know about it. He said, come to me now that you know who I am. And now that fellowship's been restored. Now the relationship's back on track. He said, don't go back to Canaan and dwell off down yonder. Come where I am and dwell with me. And I understand that that could be preached, I guess, technically as a type of heaven, but that's not where my heart is this morning. My heart's in this life. There's a place to dwell with Him here. Oh, He told Moses, there's a place by me. He said, if you'll get in that place, He said, when I pass by, I'll cause you to see my glory. I'm telling you this morning, child of God, that salvation didn't stop with the corn in the sack. That salvation didn't stop with the cup in the sack. But thank God there's a Joseph that desires our company and our fellowship intimately along the journey and it's God's will for us to dwell where he's at. And they gather everything up and they go back. I want you to notice Joseph says for them to tell Jacob he never brings up what they did. He said don't go home and tell daddy what you did because daddy don't know up till this point what they've done 
All he knows is that Joseph's dead. He said, don't go home and tell him anything about you. He said, it ain't about you. We done got that settled. He said, I want you to go home and I want you to tell him about me. From the first word to the last word, let it all be about me. And tell him to come and where I am. And I thought about all the ride home and what they was talking about and what was going on. But I read in the scripture here, the Bible said they went up in verse 25, out of Egypt came in the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. They didn't waste any time. They didn't spare a second. I don't know if there's any conversation on Jacob's end. I don't think he could get a word in. I think they come in and they said, Daddy, we've seen Joseph. Daddy, we've been with Joseph. That's what's on my heart this morning. If God will help me to preach on we've been with Joseph. I'm glad this morning I've been with Joseph. I'm glad I know who he is. I'm glad I know where he is. I'm glad he's back in my heart and pulled my heartstrings to get where he's at. I thought about Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John were arrested because of what happened at the temple. And they said, by whose power have you done this thing? And what authority do you have to make this man to walk again? He said, it ain't my power. John said, it ain't me. Peter said, it ain't me. But he said, it's the name of Christ, the Son of God. And they mocked them. And they said, I don't understand. They said, we got to do something with these boys. But the Bible said, when they saw their boldness and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they perceived that they had been with Jesus. So when I say this morning that I've been with Joseph, what I mean is I've been with Jesus because we have a heavenly Joseph and he's doing all the same things that this Joseph does and more for his people. They come in and it ain't in the scripture that's what's on my heart. I think they say, hey daddy, we've been with Joseph. He said, I don't understand. What do you mean? You've been with Joseph. Joseph's dead. You told me all them years ago that a wild animal caught him and slew him and he's dead. I don't understand. What do you mean? You've been with Joseph. And I think they said something like this. He said you'd say something like that. He said, so he told us what to tell you. Ain't that something? The Bible said, they told him in verse 27, all the words of Joseph. They didn't make it up. They didn't try to explain it. Joseph said, you go tell my father exactly what I'm telling you. And that will cause him to want to get up from where he is and come down here and be where I am. The first thing they told him, and this was on my heart, the Lord gave it to me. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt. And I want to preach it this morning. The first thing they said is he's living. He's alive. Joseph is alive. Now the Bible said they came to Jacob. By all rights, he should not have been called Jacob. He should have been called Israel. His name has already been changed because of an experience with God. So we can't preach about Jacob as a type of a sinner. We're preaching about Jacob as a type of the child of God who's living their life too long as Jacob and not as Israel. 
Now it refers to him because of his unbelief as Jacob. The Bible said, and Jacob's heart fainted for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them. And when he saw the words or saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father revived. Which means it had already been alive. But he was in a bad shape. Because he was living his life like Joseph was dead. Now I believe with all in me that the Holy Ghost has told me to say this. You're here this morning and you're saved. But by all instances and all actions, you're living your Christian life like Joseph's dead. Like the power's dead. Like the possibility of revival is dead. Like the possibility of living in in victory is dead. Like the possibility of having joy is dead. I come to tell you this morning, I've been with Joseph, and he said to tell you, he's alive. And the Bible said when his spirit got revived, all of a sudden, ain't it amazing, that the next verse says, and Israel said... He's not Jacob anymore. He's not living in death and discouragement and defeat anymore. He's not believing that Joseph is dead. His life's not demonstrated that the power's gone, the possibilities are gone. He said it's enough. I believe Joseph is alive. I come to tell you this morning he's alive. Now I understand. You said, preacher, that don't apply to us. We celebrate Easter and we believe He's alive. I'm not talking about physically God up or that He's alive and well at the right hand of the Father. Now I'm preaching about that His power's alive and that His presence is alive and that we don't have to live in defeat and discouragement and despair. We can live as Joseph is alive. He said, they said, Daddy, He's living. I'm going off the scripture. I'm not going to go anywhere outside this chapter because the Lord told me not to and I don't have to this morning. They didn't just say, Daddy, he's living. Now, Joseph said, tell him all that I've told you. And so if we go back up here in these verses where Joseph is talking with him, he said in verse number 9, he said, I want you to go to my father and tell him I'm Lord. God has made me Lord in all of Egypt. And then in verse 13, Joseph said, And tell my father of all my glory which you have seen down here. I'm telling you this morning, not only thank God is he alive, but he's Lord. He's got everything in control. I was praying, asking God for help in the service this morning. I don't know how other preachers study, how it works for them. Don't matter. I just have to do it the way God puts it on my heart. 
The Lord began to deal with my heart and I began to write some things down. I got to that part and the Lord, I mean, just spoke my heart as real as any one of you. And he said, I got everything under control. And so I underlined it once. And then he spoke again. He said, I've got everything under control. So I underlined it again. And then he spoke again. He said, I'm telling you, I've got everything under control. So I underlined it a third time. I'm telling you this morning, he's got everything, everything, everything under control. It don't matter where you are. It don't matter what's going on in your life. It don't matter the pieces feel like they're falling apart. If the winds of the storms blowing you off course, you feel like you don't know where you're at. You don't know which way's up. You don't know how to get a path through. You don't know what to do. I'm telling you this morning, he's got everything under control. Because he's Lord. He's Lord. And they said, Daddy, He's not just living. He's not just Lord. But He's loaded. Now I don't mean that disrespectful. That's what come to my heart. He's loaded. Joseph said, I've got control of all the good things of Egypt. Everything's in my power to give it to you. He said, I want you to tell my father that I want him to come back down here where I am and bring all your children, all your grandchildren, your wives, and let me nourish you. That's the word that's used in verse 11. And there will I nourish thee, for there are yet five more years. Joseph said it don't matter how bad it gets in these next five years. He said if you'll just come spend some time with me, I'm loaded. I got more than enough to take care of you through the famine. And I'm telling you we're in the last days where the Bible said there'd be a famine, not a thirst for water nor a hunger of bread, but of hearing of the words of God. And I'm going to tell you the same thing Brother Steve told us Swift Thursday night. If you're going to survive, you've got to spend some time with him. He said, I'm loaded. Tell my father not to worry about it. Matter of fact, he said it again. Regard not your stuff. He said, leave all your stuff out there in Canaan. Come and take some of my stuff. <coughs> Let me give you what I have. Don't worry about what you have or what you ain't got. Just come get in on what I have. Sometimes I'm afraid we spend too much time worrying about what we got or what we ain't got. And we're forgetting and we're missing out on being a partaker of all he has. He's got enough and more. They said, Daddy, he wanted us to tell you he's longing for us to come down there. Oh, I don't know if that does anything to you. But in verse number 9, he said, Haste ye, come down to me and tarry not. In verse number 10, he said, Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen and thou shalt be near unto me. They said, Daddy, I don't know. I don't know what all they went into. I'm inclined to believe that they didn't tell him everything at this moment. But I think maybe they might have said something like this. After all these years and after all we've done, he's still longing, Daddy, 
for us to come down now where he is. After all these times we failed him. After all these times we forgot him. After all these times we forsook him. He still wants us to hurry. He don't want us to waste no time. He's longing for us to come down there where he's at. I'm going to tell you this morning, in spite of me and in spite of you, all the times I failed Him, all the times I forgot Him, and all the times I've forsaken Him, still yet, this week in my heart, there's a bell a-ringing saying, come on down. I'm longing for you to come on down here where I am. Don't worry about your stuff. Don't worry about everybody else. See, Jacob was down yonder in Canaan. He was worried about the famine. That's all he could think about was the famine, the famine. He was worried about family problems. He was worried about losing this son and losing that son and keeping all things in control of what he didn't have no control over anyway. I'm going to tell you, you can dwell down yonder where you are and worry about the famine and worry about your family and worry about your finances and worry about your physical health. I understand it's a reality. But I'm telling you, I've been with Joseph and he told me to tell this morning how to come on down yonder where he's at he's longing for you to get down there with him they said daddy he ain't just longing for us he's looking for us he told us when we started this way he said in verse number 24 he said and see that you fall not out by the way don't lose your way between here and there. What he really was saying is don't get back to Canaan and get tied down there with the famine and your family and your struggles and your problems. Don't get sidetracked. Go there and come back. I'm looking for you. And here's the kicker of them all. Now I didn't know what Brother Tim was going to teach on this morning. He didn't know what I was going to preach on. But here's the main one of them all. They said, Daddy, He loves us. I don't know why, Daddy, but He loves us. They said, we're called to be thieves, but He loves us. They said, He's the one, Daddy, that put the money back in the mouth of the sack because He loves us. They said, Daddy, what you don't know it looked like. We wasn't going to get to bring Benjamin back. But we're back with him because Joseph loves us. And he said, Daddy, we want you to come down. He wants you to come down there because he loves you. And he wants to see you. I'm going to tell you this morning, there's no need. No need, no need, no need whatsoever for you to have any reservations about whether or not He loves you. I mean, He's already proven it enough after revealing Himself to you and not seeking retribution or vengeance, after not trying to get even, after restoring your fellowship with His, after bringing you into His house, after putting corn in your sack and money in the mouth of the sack and putting a silver cup in your sack and falling on your neck and kissing you and weeping over you. He's proven enough that He loves you. There's no need for you to have any reservations this morning about the fact that He loves you. He wanted me to tell you that this morning. 
No need to have any reservations about the fact that He loves you. And see, I got biblical evidence for it in this text. I never had seen it till this morning. Sitting right there on the pew, the Holy Ghost of God started talking to my heart. And Joseph said, this is what I want you to do. He said, take these wagons. Now, I've heard great messages. Brother Steve Price probably preaches one of the best messages I've ever heard about these wagons that bring all this stuff back. Thank God for all that stuff. All the corn, all the cheeses, all the good things of Egypt. Thank God that that was not the sole purpose of the wagon. The sole purpose of the wagon was not to bring all that stuff back. That was part of it. But he said, I know your wives and your little ones can't make the journey. He said, so when you unload all this, just load them up and bring them with you when you come. Now you say, what's that got to do with anything? I'm glad you asked. In the book of Genesis, a few chapters back, after Jacob has had children, and he's never come face to face with Esau until this day. And the Bible said he hears that Esau's coming. And this is what he does because he has reservations about what Esau's going to do. He's got handmaidens and children by them and he puts all them in the front. And then he's got Rachel and Leah. And he puts Leah next and her children and Rachel and Joseph last because he has reservations about what Esau is going to do when they meet up. Joseph says, I don't want you to have any reservations. Don't leave your wives and children behind. He said, put them in these wagons and bring them down here to me and let me meet them and let me be good to them. He said, your little ones, I'm not much on illustrations. and Not that there's anything wrong with it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but this is what the Lord told me to do this morning. And I want Huntley to come with me if she will. You come with Uncle Preacher. Come on. Joseph said you load up your little ones. You load up your little ones. He said they ain't going to understand who I am. They're not going to know. But he said I want you to bring them around where I am and let my goodness be on them. And teach them that the reason we're sitting down to food tonight is because Joseph loves us. And the reason we're not worried about waking up in the morning is because Joseph loves us. And the reason we're riding this wagon this morning is because Joseph loves us. And he said they might not understand it just yet, but he said let them dwell around me long enough. Bring your wives and children around me long enough. And he said there'll come a day that it'll click in their mind and in their heart what mom and daddy's saying is right. Uh, Joseph loves us. Uh, Joseph's taking care of us. And so this morning you may not feel like it, it means much to bring these kids that don't understand. You may think it's going over their head. Uh, but I'm telling you they're learning this morning uh, uh, that Joseph loves us. Uh, that Joseph cares about us. Uh, that we're at the table because he loves us. Uh, that we're crying because he loves us. Uh, that it's stirring our heart because he loves us. I'm telling you this morning that uh, uh, Joseph loves us and if there's no reservation for you to come that's what Joseph was saying 
He's saying, me and you, we've already taken care of this. All your past is gone. I'll never, never again in this scripture, never again does Joseph ever bring it up. They bring it up, but he don't ever bring it up. He said, me and you done worked it all out. I've done took care of it. He said, I showed you who I am and I told you what I was going to do. He said, now, me and you've worked it out. He said, but I want you to go back with no reservation. Don't leave your wives and children because you're afraid of me. He said, if I could have got even with you, I already would have. If I could have punished you, I already would have. But he said, I'm not going to. I love you. So bring your wives and children on and let me show them firsthand that I love you. Oh, it's good to be able to go home and tell them that it'd be good for Reuben and Simeon and all of them to go back and say, we met Joseph and he loves us. Now we want y'all to stay and we're going to go. But that wasn't what Joseph said. He said, load them up. Bring your wives. Bring your children. Bring your cattle. Bring everything you got. Bring it down here where I am. And he said, I'll bless them just because of who I am. Just being around me will make a change in who they are. And so I'm telling you this morning, I know, I watch my wife, we got four girls, and I'm watching some of you mamas in the services. And you have to get up, and you have to go back yonder, and you have to shut the door. And sometimes you got to get up, and you got to go outside, and you got to change their diapers, and you got to give them food, and you got to bring them snacks. Now I'm not against none of that, as long as it's in its place. What I am for this morning, I'm not preaching about what I'm, what I am for, is for you being in the house of God. It's important. You may feel like you're not getting anything out of it. You may feel like they're not getting anything out of it, but there's going to come a blessed day. Thanks be unto God. That it's going to click in them that Joseph loves us. And so there's no reservation about him loving us and about him caring for us. I'm telling you this morning, not boasting or bragging in me, not one bit whatsoever. But I was told this morning to tell you, to preach to you that I have been with Joseph. And this is what he wanted me to tell you this morning. He's living. You don't have to live like he's dead. He's alive. And he's still got all power. He's Lord. He's loaded. He's longing for you to come. and Looking for you to come. I think, and it ain't in the Scripture, but I think Joseph stood looking down the road until they... Come back on their journey. He wanted them that bad to be where he is. He said, I'm not going to... Now, he would have been right and just, more than just. He would have showed great love and mercy if he had said, come down here, I'll load your wagon, then you got to go back where you live. Go back where you came from. But he said, I want you to come, bring your wives, your children, all you got. And he said, I'm going to put you in the land of Goshen so you can be near unto me. You say, preacher, why did he do that? Because he loved them. I'm going to tell you why I'm here this morning. Why I'm preaching what I'm preaching. Why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. It's because he loves me. And he loves you. We sung this morning. He loves me. He loves me. This I know. He gave himself to die for me. Because he loves me so. I'm preaching to you this morning. He loves you. He just wants you to come where He's at and get around where He's at. Let's stand all over the house. I'm done this morning.